in most cases, returns are not going to meet expectations, you know, on current operations. So we have to figure out a way to, you know, be as efficient as possible, open our minds to new options, new ideas, new alternatives. You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 5, a podcast dedicated to informing, educating, and influencing the future of housing and services for seniors. This season is powered by sponsors AccuShield, Inquire, One Day, LTC REIT, It's Never Too Late, Meridian Capital, Salinity, and The Bridge Group Construction. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the Senior Living Podcast with Josh and Lucas. We're continuing our conversation with great thought leaders in the industry. We want to welcome Greg Huglitch to the episode today. Well, thank you. Wonderful to be here. You are the CFO of 12 Oaks, a regional Texas-based operator. This is something that continues to come up in a lot of our conversations. We're uh, coming out of the COVID crisis, so to speak, but there's, uh, you know, to use your words on our pre-talk, there's still a bit of a hangover effect, right? Um, but I'm noticing there is a lot of power in being a regional player, a regional operator. Um, in your discussions here in Houston, has that been a topic of conversation where you see this shuffle of these portfolios that are now shifting to more of a regional play? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think the regional model is absolutely necessary for the long-term health of the industry. And I'm glad to see some of the national investor groups actually start to recognize that. And, you know, we've seen some fallout in the management ranks, you know, particularly, uh, you know, with Eclipse, you know, what's going on there and a lot of the Ventas and Apollo um, properties being transitioned uh, away from a national model to a regional model. You know, I remember seeing uh, something on LinkedIn uh, a few months ago about a national operator setting up a regional arm. Okay. Right. And I thought, wait, what does that mean? (laughs) And I thought, well, that's clever marketing. Yeah. But I don't know that it's really regional management. So to, to me, to 12 Oaks, regional management is being in your communities, being members of your community, you know, living, working, playing in your communities. And, you know, for 12 Oaks, we like to uh, deploy our regional high-touch model. So, for example, we're looking at uh, uh, being involved in a new portfolio that uh, increases our presence in Oklahoma City. And we have properties in Oklahoma now and Colorado property maybe in the mix as well. And so one of the things we're going to do is we're going to put a regional uh, vice president in Oklahoma City. It's important to us that our regional vice presidents, you know, are resident in the communities, understand the communities, are not overburdened with 10, 12 communities. Mm -hmm. You know, four to five is ideal. So they can spend time at the communities. They can sleep in their own bed at night. They are spending half their day in airports or on the road. Right. Right. And, you know, that makes for a, a more meaningful um, role and understanding of the needs of the community. And I think it makes for, uh, you know, happier, better employees, right, that they can connect to their uh, communities, the leadership and staff in the communities and the residents in the communities. 
So you may have talked about it there just a little bit as you were touching on uh, some of your regional vice president roles and your growth, but you guys have been very successful for many years. Talk to us about the values that have guided you to that success that you think that is going to help forge the way forward through all the difficulties that our industry is facing ahead. 12 Oaks is, is founded uh, on you know, our principal core values, and, and Dick Blaylock is our uh, CEO, is uh, extremely committed to ensuring that those core values are deployed across everything we do. Our four core values of character, competency, servanthood, and stewardship. Uh, very important to us. Um, we uh, conduct focus groups within our uh, corporate staff. We provide for executive coaching for our leadership. We provide for impact training for our community leaders. And we really try to, you know, live uh, the mantra that we, um, you know, speak, uh, not just words, but in actions and everything we do. I love that. So let's do a little bit of forward looking at as a leader in your organization, looking ahead, uh, let's compare and contrast a little bit to the, the opportunities and the challenges that lie ahead. Um, sometimes with the great challenges, the flip side of that is it opens up some opportunities. But what are you seeing? What is your leadership team seeing as the great challenges and opportunities that lay ahead? Sure. So um, I think the challenges first, and I would suggest that the it's the conquering of the challenges that will provide the opportunities. So, you know, clearly the challenges, as, as Lucas said at the outset, the hangover of the COVID impact is is certainly uh, still uh, here. And, you know, I know a few months back, everybody thought we can't wait till we get to, you know, the end of the year, fourth quarter, right? Everything's coming back to normal. Well, you know, since we said that, uh, here we are now faced with some very significant staffing issues. And, you know, it's not just a matter of, you know, raising rates a couple bucks. Uh, I mean, though there is pressure to obviously increase rates and be competitive, uh, you know, the vaccine mandate is an issue at the communities. And, you know, we're obviously um, very supportive and, you know, see uh, great value in everyone at our communities being vaccinated. Um, so we don't want it to be a political issue. We want it to be a health issue. We want it to be an issue to ensure that our residents are safe and well cared for. And, you know, that's of uh, paramount importance to us. Um, so we need to be more creative and more involved and make sure we build a good culture as well as a good pay structure at all our communities to make sure that we can recruit and retain uh, quality employees that our residents deserve. And, and uh, you know, to that end, uh, you know, we, we work very hard to uh, inject that culture at all our communities, pay fair wages, and, uh, you know, try to create a, a very uh, nurturing and, and wholesome environment for everybody. Um, so certainly, you know, number one issue, I think, on the board today is staffing, those staffing costs. Now, we're also faced with inflation. We're seeing, you know, the cost to fill up the, uh, you know, the activity van, the, uh, you know, utility costs, food costs, you know, everything's going up across the board. 
Um, so people see that, they see the inflation. What makes it tough for us, the challenge that is a result of that is, you know, we aren't able to immediately pass on those costs to our residents. So here we are coming off the cost of COVID, you know, costs of reduced occupancy, costs of uh, personal protection and enhanced sanitation, um, you know, lack of staffing, all those costs that we've had to endure over the uh, past several months and years um, are now compounded by these additional costs that can't be passed through immediately. So the pressure on the uh, net operating incomes of these properties is, is enormous right now. Um, you know, we're in budget season right now, and we delivered first drafts of all our budgets to our owner groups. And we are going to be meeting with them over the coming weeks. And there's going to be some very, you know, difficult discussions about the realities uh, that we face. And, you know, we need to deal with that. And, you know, we can, uh, you know, try to lay out a plan to, you know, regain the health of the financial health of the communities. But, you know, uh, with the immediate cost increases we're faced with, the lag effect of, uh, you know, rent increases and concession-based selling still in play and the lack of occupancy in certain sub-markets, you know, 22 is still going to be a difficult year for the industry. So, you know, um, we are certainly not in the clear. It's, it's uh, there's a lot of headwinds in front of us. So those are the challenges. So the opportunities, Josh, to come from that are, you know, as an operator, making sure that we are, you know, looking at every opportunity to be cost efficient, to make sure we're building culture at our properties, that we are, uh, providing the best possible care for our residents and, you know, building the reputation of the community uh, amongst, you know, the community at large and the residents that are there. And, you know, that in the long run will certainly pay off in spades as, you know, we're able to build census and stabilize these communities. We're very fortunate that our owner groups uh, are very supportive of these initiatives, you know, uh, you know, when CapEx improvements are needed, you know, the properties need upgrades. They're supportive of that. Uh, and, and that's important, too, that, you know, the residents see that they're getting value in the communities that we're reinvesting back in the community. So uh, so the opportunities are to um, have efficient operations, you know, uh, provide financial returns for our owners and then also for us, 12 Oaks is a company to grow our portfolio, right? And it's our plan to, uh, you know, grow as a regional operator and, you know, become best in class operator in Texas and Oklahoma. Well, that's a lot of great information. You know, one of the things I've talked a little bit about with Lucas, I'd love to know your thoughts as well. Uh, on the part where you're talking about meeting with these ownership groups, I think everybody's in that time of year, that season, and there's going to be, like you said, a lot of tough conversations, right? Because maybe that budget isn't what anybody really was hoping it was going to be, but it's realistic uh, in most cases. Do you think there's going to be, uh, for lack of a better term, over this next year and the coming year, sort of a reset on expectations from the the capital markets, the, you know, the ownership groups all the way down through um, the operators and the communities where there's a little bit of a reset uh, on, on margins and what the expect, 
because in the past it seems like as costs go up we immediately just try to go back and raise rates but i think we're kind of compounding situation now to where there's only so much you can raise rates so i feel like now we're kind of at this pressure cooker point where almost our expectations from ownership down to operators have to be realigned what are, do you have any thoughts on that mm-hmm. sure no um so the answer i think is yes there there has to be a realignment of expectations uh you know the pro formas from two three years ago you know we've had to kind of tear those up and start over again um you know a lot of uh, investor groups have deployed you know significant capital investment uh in these communities so we need to figure out uh, a better way to earn them the best possible return uh returns aren't going to be uh in most cases returns are not going to meet expectations you know on current operations uh so we have to figure out a way to you know be as efficient as possible uh try out creative new ideas be it in uh activities delivery of sales and marketing food service uh you know try just uh, kind of uh open our minds to new options new ideas new alternatives and you know the kind of you know you know old steadfast model of senior housing where you know it's uh, chicken fried steak on tuesday and bingo on wednesday night you know those days are long gone and uh you know and we have to be an innovative and uh thoughtful uh management group to provide the best possible uh service and business plan for each of our communities. So forward looking um for you guys and maybe even just the industry as a whole um is it uh going to be more of a new development is it going to be a repositioning of legacy properties what are you guys what do you guys have your eye on or is it both So for us uh so first and foremost is you know uh working with our current uh client base to you know make sure that their properties are properly positioned in their markets and you know where capex is needed uh that's being provided uh where you know rent structures need to be reevaluated uh that we uh do that where our operating costs our staffing are the most efficient models that we can possibly uh put in place so that's that is job 1 next up for us is you know expanding our portfolio and we've got a very talented uh corporate staff. Uh we've kept the entire team together throughout the pandemic. We've actually added to the to the staff uh in corporate and you know we've got some new initiatives uh through our solutions group where we're adding staff to provide an expanded level of service um be it in facilities management, helping on the capex programs. uh some of the compliance and care uh components uh that need to be addressed so uh, obviously sales and marketing being as creative as possible as we can in those areas so all those things combined uh i i feel like over the course of the pandemic though our portfolio hasn't grown we've kind of been you know sharpening our tools and uh you know getting ready for the next phase of our growth you know expanding our staff our capabilities implementation of uh, yardy senior iq you know better data reporting um you know across the board we we've kind of been you know making uh 12 oaks ready for the next uh phase of growth so 
that next phase of growth, uh, Josh, I think is going to come initially more from value add opportunities. Uh, what we're seeing in the market are distressed properties in need of a new plan, a new vision. Uh, and, you know, we want to be uh, the catalyst for that with our investment groups to, you know, take a look at this property or this portfolio and say, you know, hey, these are fundamentally okay properties, right? They're in good markets, right? With, you know, a new business plan, a new approach, a new vision, we can take these properties from where they are and, you know, elevate them to be uh, communities that uh, the owners and residents and managers can be proud of. And, and those possibilities are real as, you know, some of these uh, properties trade and get recapitalized. So I, I see a real focus there. I think a lot of the uh, core assets, A assets, um, there's still quite a divergence between bid and ask pricing. The gap is wide. That's uh, certainly one takeaway from Nick. So, uh, yeah, I think the focus for us is definitely going to be on the value add side. And that's repurposing a lot of properties that might be a little tired that we can come into and, you know, turn into real communities. Yeah. So, Lucas, segue that that's in your wheelhouse. What you guys, <laughs> I guess that's why you guys have had so much success working together. Yeah. Yeah. Texas is a, a great marketplace uh, for those types of uh, repositioning. It kind of ties back into that regional play, right? As some of these um, either mom and pop or family owned smaller portfolios start to, you know, retrade. And then you also have the, the REITs and the private equity groups that have large portfolios and they're starting to make that shift. As, as you said earlier, great conversation. Um, you know, there's uh, talking about staffing and it's kind of, we round out our conversation. We do have a lot of um, young listeners or people that are just pursuing senior housing as a career. Um, what would be kind of, um, some advice or something that you would say to somebody that may be listening there in college or they're just saying like, Oh, let me check out the senior living. What is this all about? What would be some advice um, for those people? My advice would be take a really hard look at it and you know what, take a chance. Um, so my background was more as a merchant developer, um, you know, dealing in single fam and multifam and condos and, you know, it was more about turn and burn the deal, right? And, uh, you know, monetize uh, assets uh, into cash flow. Uh, what I really enjoyed uh, with senior living is seeing the real impact uh, you can have on people's lives, the residents. And it's not just, you know, about renting an apartment or a retail space or selling a building lot. It's uh, about, you know, creating communities and uh, the complexity of operations in senior housing, uh, you know, in uh, optimizing uh, NOI is, is significant. It's, it's a big challenge and there's so many things that go into it. You know, the sales and marketing side, uh, you know, understanding your sub-markets, um, you know, ancillary revenues, looking at your operating cost structure, your staffing, your dining, your care programs, you know, there's so many elements. And, you know, if you want to be in 
a very dynamic and very challenging industry, but a very rewarding industry where you still have all the rewards, be they financial or otherwise, that you can get in other asset classes. You know, uh, senior housing provides much more at the end of the day. So, uh, yeah, I would say anybody who's looking at a career in real estate, investment, senior housing, right? It's an asset class that you can embrace and it will embrace you back and you can, you know, really uh, have a wonderful career. And the great people in this industry is what has uh, attracted me and kept me um, being the senior living fan. I'm a big fan of, uh, of, of senior housing and the people that are working in these communities and helping these communities thrive and making them true communities. Greg, we thank you so much for spending time with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Everybody can go to btgvoice.com. You can download this episode, check out the transcript, connect with us on our social media sites, and send us a message. And thanks for everybody listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with Josh and Lucas. Connect with the BTG Network team and use your voice to influence the industry by connecting with us at btgvoice.com.